Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to mention, I don't want to mention SMU today. So if you want an hour and a half sermon, uh, start giving me grief about uh, last night. Oh, we are now no longer the Mustangs; we're dog food. All right. Um, we have been talking about we've been talking about how God wants us to be willing and able to go ahead and minister not just to the community and the body of believers here, not just in Navasota, not just to Texas, but literally around the world. And and we're going to talk about today, this day, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday morning here in Navasota. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are you going to go and be working today? Are you going to be working today? All right. So here's the deal. Uh, When God created the heavens and the earth, it took him six days during the creation narrative in Genesis to accomplish that. And it says on the seventh day, he rested. And that word rested is is a Hebrew word that that we end up getting the word Sabbath out, Shabbat. Uh, And what Sabbath was supposed to be, listen to me, is a day that is different. A day that is different. It's supposed to be different than the other days of our week. Um, So I'm going to ask you a quick question here. Um, do, Do you know this guy? Do you know this man? If you're a baseball fan... And by the way, back in the days, for, for you all that are right here, back in the day, baseball was the most important sport in, in America. Not the NBA, not the NFL, things like that. Anybody recognize who this fellow is? That, thank you for that. Sandy Koufax. That is Sandy Koufax. He's a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Koufax was a no-nonsense guy at all. He happened to be Jewish, and he had to he had to pitch on the Sabbath. Sabbath for the Jewish folks is Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Okay, they they mark the day sundown to sundown. All right, and he had to occasionally pitch on Sabbath, and. Being an observant Jew, he was asked by the press, this was in the 1960s, they asked him, they said, why why do you do this? Why are you working on the Sabbath? Because in those days, most folks on Sunday mornings went to church. Most folks that that were Jewish went to synagogue on, on Friday night. And he was asked, and he said, because what I am doing gives God pleasure. What I am doing on the Sabbath, gives God pleasure. And he said, while I'm pitching, I'm giving God pleasure. Now you need to understand this. He was one of the fiercest competitors ever. There was a young man that that lined up in the batter's box to go ahead and face him, again in the do- uh, to face the Dodgers. And this fellow happened to be from the Giants, which were their, their rival. And he did what you're not supposed to do. When he got into the batter's box, he took his right leg, he was a right-handed hitter, and he dug 
his the toe of his foot in so that he'd have better leverage. Well, for any pitcher, that is basically like waving a red cape in front of a bull. It's basically saying, I'm going to get myself ready to hit this ball out of the park. And Koufax stuck the first pitch in the man's ear. Okay, He was a competitor. The fellow the next time he came up to bat did not do that. Matter of fact, on the Giants team, everyone would walk into the batter's box and stand as far away from the strike zone as they could because of that. He was a competitor, but an interesting thing happened. In 1965, Koufax refused to pitch in the first game of the World Series against the Minnesota Twins. He refused to pitch. It was on Yom Kippur, which was a high holy feast day for observant Jews. Yom, that word in Hebrew means day. Kippur means the day of payback or atonement. The day of settling accounts. And because this was a holy day for all Jews, Koufax refused to pitch. Instead, Don Drysdale, who was another magnificent Hall of Fame pitcher, pitched for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he gave up seven runs in two and two-thirds innings. And he made this quote. Afterwards, the press interviewed Don Drysdale, and he said, I bet right now you wish I was Jewish too. Drysdale said to Walter Alston, who was the manager, came and pulled him out of the game He made that comment to him and then later to the press. The Dodgers lost the first game to the Minnesota Twins, 8-2. And instead of pitching that day, Koufax attended synagogue in Minneapolis where the game was being held. And as the Dodgers aced, Koufax still pitched game 2, 5, and 7, throwing complete game shutouts in game 5 and 7. Koufax's decision and his pitching brilliance remain a source of pride among devout American Jews even those who weren't baseball fans. So let me ask you a question. What was the right thing for Koufax to do? Should have he refused to have pitched that day because it was, it was an important day in his faith? What about today? What about Sunday morning? This is Sabbath day that we celebrate, a day that is devoted to God and a day of rest. What are you going to be doing today? And are you going to be working today? Well, the Bible has a story about that. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus is being followed not only by His disciples and others who are are interested in knowing who He is, not only devout Jews who are looking to see if He's the Messiah, but also by some folks that want to see if they can catch Him and trip Him up. We're going to read about that this morning. So I'm going to invite you to stand together as we read God's Word. We do this to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect Word. And I'm going to invite you to read along with me. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields. And His disciples began to pick some of the heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered into the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, 
The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And on another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. And so the man got up and stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And he looked around at all of them and then said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. So let's get one thing straight this morning. The Sabbath is God's day, and it is set aside for rest. The Sabbath is God's day, and it's set aside for rest. So I'm going to ask you a quick question here. You don't need to answer this out loud. What is rest for you? Now I know some of you, I can look right now and tell what rest is for you. You're sitting here at the Baptist Church. It is wonderfully comfortable in here. And the pastor's talking, and it's nap time. Rest for you might be something as as simple as closing your eyes and enjoying a few minutes of peace. I am not going to go, and I do not have in my pocket one of those little air horn things, you know, when you push the little button. I'm not going to do that to you. If I see you fall asleep this morning, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to quietly say, hey, everybody sneak out. And we'll leave you here, all right? And then you'll wake up and go, wait, the rapture happened. No, that's not it. What we're going to do is if this is rest for you, then good. Good. But guys, rest is supposed to be a part of our Sabbath experience. And listen, there are some of you that experience rest by working. You like work. Can I get a witness, anybody? Are you married to somebody like that? You like to work. And working is fine. It's wonderful. God even says we ought to work. But folks, God also gave us the example that we ought to stop. And we ought to do something different one day a week. Why is that important? Why is it important that we have a day of rest? A day that is different from every other day. It's supposed to be different than any of the other six days of your week. You see, the fourth commandment was that linchpin for the first three. The first three commandments in the Decalogue, in Exodus chapter 20, each of them have to do with your relationship with God. And the one that is the transition is this one right here, where it says, on the Sabbath day, the fourth commandment, on the Sabbath day, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to honor God. And as you honor God, you're also supposed to go ahead and make this day different. So let me ask you again, church, what are you going to do today that is going to be different than the other six days of the week? 
Well, Pastor Clyde, I'm going to go watch the Cowboys. They don't play till tomorrow. That's not Sabbath. All right? What am I going to do that's going to be different today than any other day? The day is to be like the one that God took, to be a different day than the other. So the question often becomes, what is that rest for you? As I said before, I know people that love to work. They're happiest when they're busy with something, and they are absolutely miserable when they're on vacation. If you've ever gone on a vacation with a person like that, they are constantly just kind of like, I'm just having a great time here. Not. It's sadly comical when you combine a person that is like that with a Christ follower. I have a friend that is like that. One of them is now a Christian. And he had to choose to take the Sabbath and keep it holy by forcing himself away from work. His family had adjusted to his earlier behavior. And when he became a Christian, they were stunned when he first showed up on a Sunday afternoon and suggested that after church, they all go for a bike ride. And they all stood there and looked at him with wide eyes, deer in the headlight eyes, their mouths open. Rest for you may not mean being a couch potato watching the NFL on television. It may mean rest mixed with recreation. It may mean simply by taking a leisurely nap. It has to be different, but it centers around honoring God and His Word. The reason we make this day different than any other is not because the church is open on this, this morning for us to come into. By the way, the church is open every single day of the week. This next week, we've got something going on in our facility every single day. So what makes this different? Because God says it's different. This is Sabbath. Jesus distinguished the Sabbath as holy and as wholly different. Did you happen to notice in the story that twice the religious folks were waiting to see if Jesus would do anything in an everyday activity, to see if He didn't do religion their way. One of them involved food. One of them involved food. What He ended up doing is walking through a grain field, and the Bible doesn't say He did it, but it says some of His disciples took the tops of grain off and in order to get to the kernels, the simple way is you put the grain in your hand. It's something that you really ought to do to try to see if it works. But wheat will work like that. You rub it together, and all of the shell will come off the wheat, and you can just eat the kernels. Now, it's not great food, but it will sustain you. And Jesus had his 12 disciples that followed him. But folks, if you read, he had any, at any given time, he had a large group of, of folks or a smaller group that would just tag along, maybe a day's walk with him, just to see what was going to happen. And somewhere along the line, there were Pharisees and leaders in the, in the temple who happened to, oh, just happened to be by there to see this. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Technically, you're violating the law of God. The way we interpret the law of God, if you're feeding yourself, if you're having to work to go ahead and put the food together, then you are doing work and you're not honoring God and you're violating the fourth commandment. Well, folks, let me ask you a quick question. 
need a show of hands on this. How many of you all are going to go out to eat after we're done here, okay? Raise your hand, okay? All right. Hey, Navasota ought to be in good shape. All right, tax base going up. Good. How many of you all are going to be going home and you are going to fix something at home? Okay. Do you know that you all would be in violation of Jewish law? Sinner. Sinner. Sinner, 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 sinner. You fixed it last night? That's a nice way out, but you're still going to get it out of the refrigerator and put it in the oven. That's work. And you see, that's the kind of legalism that grace frees us from. Grace means you get better than you deserve. And folks, let me share with you. Jesus' disciples who walked through there, as they walked through, and as they took that, those grains, and as they rubbed them together, and as they popped them in their mouths, and all of a sudden those folks came up and said, whoa, 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 you can't do that, you can't do that. And Jesus has an answer for them. And it's an answer that echoes in your life and mine today. And he said, okay, you hold the Scriptures to be holy, but what about King David, the ultimate hero for the religious folks in temple? What about King David when he came in, and by the way, it's called showbread. It's the bread that was set there, consecrated to be presented as an offering. And oh, by the way, because it was an offering, the priests also ate it too. Because they're the important people. It's what about when he came in there and did that? And you can hear through Scripture the echo of the silence. What happens when you go ahead and you give the response that stopped somebody in their tracks? You hear the echo of deafening silence. And in Scripture it says there's nothing that they said. And it says on another Sabbath, Jesus is going into the temple. Now he's on their turf now. And as he's going in the temple, he's teaching. And what ends up happening there? This is the second of the two. One involves your needs. One involves the needs of others. This was a man that everyone knew. And everyone knew he was crippled. I hope you saw that the religious elites offered absolutely no help to the man with the withered hand. Where there is a need, oftentimes the bystanders become a chorus of folks that want to comment without caring or involvement. Jesus watched them, even offered them an opportunity to intervene, offered them an opportunity to care. And what did they do? Nothing. Folks, listen to me. Any church that sees and identifies need, whether it is here in Texas, here in Navasota, or half a world away, and we have no heart at all for that need to be met, and that God could use us, let me share with you, that church needs to be closed down. It's not God's people. Our job is to be salt and light to a tasteless and dark world. And Jesus offers the opportunity for the Pharisees to redeem themselves, to go up and lay hands on this man, which was done in the Jewish synagogue and in the temple. Lay hands on him and pray for him. And they did nothing. Why? Because they weren't interested in that guy. They're interested in nailing Jesus. 
when you come to church, make sure your agenda, if you've got one, lines up with God's. His is the only one that counts. His is the only one that counts. So when you know the story, he gives them the opportunity. Notice that he said to the man, stretch out your hand. This is interesting. This is a guy that evidently had this injury for virtually his lifetime. The word in in Greek saying stretch out your hands literally means take your hand out of hiding. Why would this man with a withered hand hide his hand? Because it had been a source of shame and embarrassment all of his life. It had been something that he'd obviously had people make fun of. And Jesus says, stand up. And you can imagine this man's horror that Jesus is telling him to. I don't want to be noticed. If I'm noticed, people are going to see me and see my hand. And they're going to know about me. And they're going to know about the imperfection. And I don't want that. And Jesus says, stand up. And the man stands up. And you can almost hear the guy going, oh. And he stretch out. I don't, oh. There, fine. He holds out his hand. And Jesus looks around. He's already said, is it better for me to do healing or to do, and the word is evil. Folks, what happens when you and I see a need and we have the ability to go ahead and meet that need, not in our own ability, but with God's direction and help? If we don't do that, that is sin. He waits a moment. You can, you can hear this guy just muttering to himself, why? All I wanted to do was hear Jesus today. And the Word says that the man's hand was healed. It's restored. And there wasn't rejoicing from the bystanders, the religious folks. There were only the vicious intent exposed to everyone else. Since they'd been outed and doxed, they would get their revenge how about that for religion? Man, if, I had, if I'd been involved in that kind of a place, I'd want to find another church, wouldn't you? Well, God created another church, and it's us. Us. And we're the church now that is supposed to be about grace and about forgiveness and about restoration and about redemption. And it's extended to anybody that you know here in Navasota. It's extended to you and everybody that doesn't look like you. Marcus, this isn't a fair thing to do, but I'm going to borrow you for a minute. Here it is. You don't have to stand up. He's going, oh, good. (laughs) One of the reasons down in Honduras that everybody wanted to know what was going on with you what was going on with all of the, uh, these other Americanos is because not only do we speak a different language by and large, sadly, there is not the openness to allow people of different color to be together. I talked to a guy who's a missionary in Honduras about this. You know, One of the reasons they were like, what are you doing here? They don't get that. Folks, make sure 
make sure, make darned sure that's never said about you and about the church you belong to. This isn't First Baptist Church. This is God's church. And Jesus does not look like good old white guy Clyde. He looked like a Palestinian Jew. He looked like that. So I'm the outsider. Not Jesus. Not Him. Not you. Make sure that we are a church that will invite folks of whatever brand they claim. Just like you said, Stu, if they are a longhorn, let them in. Johnny, I thought I'd get an amen. Chad? No. Taco meat. Taco meat. All right? But whatever they name themselves as, whatever they look like, whatever disposition, they are welcome in God's house. It doesn't belong to us. Why this is important is because what what happens with this man reflects what Jesus is trying to do in your life and mine. It is this. Jesus talks to them about the fact that work is anything that is no, that is not normal in your week. And when he says that, he says the day of rest still means that you must eat. Jesus didn't fast on the Sabbath. He pointed this out to the religious elite. And he said this, you must also sustain and live life. You don't take a day off from doing the essentials of keeping yourself and your family alive either. But there is one other thing that Jesus taught about how you and I observe the Sabbath. You must still you, you must still seek out and do good. Jesus didn't refuse to do the work of God on a religious day. And you should not either. So here's what I want to give you homework to do. This is your homework for the week. And I will ask you about this in a later sermon. And I'll call you out for this. I want you to go home today... And I want you to purposely make this a different day than Saturday or Monday or Tuesday. You do something different today than you would have done on any other day of the week. Everybody nod your head. You understand that. I will call you out and ask you what you did. Be ready. Not only do you do that, but I want you to do that for someone else. So what are you going to do? You're going to mow the grass? Nope, too late in the season. You're going to fix a car? If you're going to fix a car, go call Ray Drew. That's his job, okay? You're going to clean the house? Maybe. But that has another day that God's already set aside to do that. Make today different. Invite God to let your mind move with Him to decide your afternoon. Invite Him to help you decide your afternoon. You've already chosen to worship Him today, and that's great. Keep that same frame of mind when you hear Him call you to do different today. And then choose to do good for someone else. Choose to do good for someone else today. Find someone that actually... Look, you may have a next door neighbor that needs something done. Is that technically going to be work? Yeah. And when Jesus answered those Pharisees, is it right to go ahead and help and do good 
or let it pass and do evil. He showed us what's right. Make this day different. Pray with me. Holy Father, in the next few minutes, this different day, this Sabbath day, You're calling us to go ahead and treat it differently. On a high holy day like today, where You're already at work in people's lives, I pray our our answer will be yes to You, that we will simply seek to let You have hold of us For some here this morning, that means letting you be able to to guide and direct our lives in the next step to take. To invite you to come into our life and invite the fact that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago hung on a cross to pay for my sin and everyone else's in this room. There are some that need to plant their lives in a church family. And if this, this is that time and this is that place that you have said, time is now and this place is is right now. Give them the courage to go ahead and do that for Your glory. Holy Spirit, move in this sanctuary. Move in our heart. Call us to You. And we will give You and You alone glory. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand up. As we sing together, I'll be here at our altar. If God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, you come.